Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. I have not talked to you guys since that Sixers win a couple weeks ago, but we're reacting to a win tonight, 114-106 over the Utah Jazz. The Nets have won six out of seven now. Things are looking good. The Nets are hot. It doesn't feel that way because there's so much uncertainty and there's no continuity whatsoever. Guys are always in and out of the lineup tonight, for instance. Andre Drummond had an illness, non-COVID related. He was out. Seth Curry got hurt. We'll talk about that later. He was out. Of course, no Kyrie. And yeah, it just seems like so many people are in and out. But when you have Kevin Durant, anything is possible. The Nets are back to their winning ways with Kevin Durant back in the lineup playing at this unbelievable level. But that's no surprise. We got some contributions from Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, even Patty Mills played well today. Saw Blake Griffin, which was nice. So we'll talk about tonight's victory, talk about what's going forward and where the Nets may end up in the playoffs. It looks like the eighth seed right now. We'll find out what happens. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave a like and let's get into it. So this was a weird game because the Jazz were coming off a back-to-back. They played the Knicks the night before. The Nets, of course, have so many injuries. They have not played since Friday night, so it feels like it's been a while, you know, a two- or three-day layoff there. So coming into tonight, we knew it was going to be a lot of Kevin Durant. We found out Andre Drummond was out a few hours before tip-off. Goran Dragic was a you know real game time decision he decided to play through the knee injury or knee soreness whatever they want to call it so he was there and he played a pretty a pretty nice role in the first half didn't do as much in the second half but the Nets were able to just pretty much put together runs in the third quarter especially early fourth quarter and really separate themselves from Utah there was a point where Bruce Brown was getting and ones and then I think Nick Claxton had an and one and that started getting more momentum at some point in the third quarter and those three guys Durant, Claxton and Bruce Brown were the reason they won tonight let's be honest I mean Nick Claxton had to play more tonight of course with Drummond being out he started tonight Blake Griffin backed him up but Nick Claxton I want to look at his numbers real quick he had a very good game he played 28 minutes which is probably one of his highest of the year seven for eight from the field 15 points had six rebounds, had four assists, had two blocks of steal. Nick Claxton was very good tonight and honestly kind of minimized what Rudy Gobert was doing because Rudy Gobert did not have that great of a game. Four of five, 11 points, and only four total rebounds. I mean, he was really a non-factor in this game for the most part of Gobert, so I give Nick Claxton a lot of credit. He was definitely bringing a lot of energy, versatility on defense, which is very important when they switch, so you love seeing that, of course. Now, going to Bruce Brown, he played 37 minutes. He was 7 of 14. 1 of 4 from 3, had 22 points. He was a plus 5. And Bruce Brown, you know, he had 7 rebounds, 5 assists. He has just been such a different guy post-James Harden, as we know. And I just don't know exactly why. I don't know what, you know, the beef between those guys was or anything like that. But whatever it was, since James Harden's been a Philadelphia 76er, Bruce Brown has been an amazing Brooklyn net. So he's been such a great role player for this team. Of course, he's going to need a new contract once this year's over. And if he keeps playing like this... You know, throughout the playoffs, throughout the rest of the regular season, Bruce Brown's going to get paid, hopefully by the Brooklyn Nets. We'll see if they can do it. I'm sure they can. But Bruce Brown's definitely a guy I do not want to lose right now based on how he's playing. Just he's that guy like the outlet for Kevin Durant. When Kevin Durant gets doubled, which is so often in these non-Kyrie games because Kevin Durant's the main focal point offensively, of course, and the guy that they want to stop on defense, he can just give the ball to Bruce Brown on the foul line. And you can trust Bruce Brown by now to make 
a good decision with the basketball. And sometimes Bruce Brown will catch the ball on the wing, take his guy off the dribble, you know, slash to the rim, finish at the rim, and sometimes get in ones, will sometimes finish with a great dunk. So he's so good in transition. He's a pretty good passer. He's been basically everything you'd want Bruce Brown to be this year, and his improved three-point shooting has kept defenses more honest as the year has gone on. So he's been great in that regard. Now, we got to talk about Kevin Durant. Um, we know he's great. I don't have to sit here and talk about how great Kevin Durant is. I think he passed uh, Jerry West for 22nd all-time on the NBA scoring list. Congrats to him. He was 15-23, 37 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, so a near triple-double. The one problem I have with KD, and I said this a couple games ago, I said this after the Portland game. That was a game I was actually at in person, and I noticed this as well, and it's happened for a few games now. Kevin Durant needs to stop with the you know, double team bad passes. He just always gets trapped and he decides to throw like these cross court passes. They get intercepted. And I I know KD realizes what he's doing wrong. It just has to stop at some point. Um, We saw it almost kind of hurt the Nets at the end of the game there because Utah started to make a comeback in the final three, four minutes. And Nets had no offense whatsoever, but KD made a Jumper from the elbow, he threw a lob in the clacks and then iced the game, but there were a lot of bad turnovers in there. Katie had four total, Goran Dragic had three total, I think Dragic had back-to-back possessions of turnovers, so that was kind of rough to see, but yeah, for some reason Kevin Durant's having a tough time passing out of the double team, but Kevin Durant's so great that you know he's going to figure it out, I'm not really too concerned about that, but it just happened now for three, four straight games, it's something that's going to get figured out at some point. So we saw Goran Dragic, not an efficient game, you know, 3 of 11 from the field, but he had 7 assists. I mean, Goran Dragic has been such a good table setter for this Brooklyn Nets team, kind of probing under the basket like, you know, his old teammate Steve Nash used to do, and he'll just find the open guy. He does a really good job of just, you know, swinging the ball, cross court, finding open shooters. That's what Goran Dragic will do. His jump shot has not been great as a Brooklyn Nets so far. He's had his moments. There was that moment in the game against the Mavericks where he went off in like the second or third quarter. But, you know, outside of that, he has not been that great of a shooter so far. But Drogic has done some nice things. He's done a good job of kind of stopping the bleeding when other teams are on a run. Like today, for instance, I think he had a post-up opportunity against Mike Conley on the left block. Made a really nice, it wasn't like a floater. It was more just like a regular jump shot, but he kind of floated it in. It was a switch. It was a great shot by him, a tough one. So Goran Dragic at some points has been very important for this Nets team, but just getting a lot of assists, that's definitely a big part of his game. And I'm not relying on him and the Nets are not relying on him to be a great scorer, but just being that ball handler, especially in games where Kyrie cannot play, which of course is all home games. He's been very, you know, vital for this Nets offense so far. So Drogic has been a nice pickup for this team. I wanted to touch on uh, Blake Griffin for a second. 20 minutes tonight, 3 of 4. He made a 3-pointer, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. And Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton just offer different things as players. That's kind of why... You know, I like having those two guys in there. Of course, you want LaMarcus Aldridge. Of course, you want Andre Drummond. But Nick Claxton and Blake Griffin are just so different in the way they play, of course. I mean, Nick Claxton's a couple inches taller, a bit more lankier. But at the same time, like, Blake Griffin will bring, like, that dribbling aspect, that three-point shot aspect to the game, that passing aspect. And Bruce Brown, not Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton brings that shot blocking, that, you know, amazing defensive versatility and being able to switch on anybody type stuff. And Blake Griffin is not as great at those things. So, like, those two guys are just very 
good at different things. So that's what I like about those two. Um, I wouldn't play them at the same time, and thank God they didn't. I don't think they did at least, but Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton can definitely not coexist, but you know, when you have them as your two centers, it works out because they just play such different roles and they can match up better with, you know, different players. Of course, I feel like Rudy Gobert was a good matchup for Nick Claxton tonight. I'm not sure why exactly. I think of Gobert as like a bigger, muscular guy that I would probably in most points give Nick Claxton problems, but Nick Cla- uh, Claxton was great tonight, so that was not an issue. We saw James Johnson play 18 minutes not a fan of it. James Johnson has been kind of a non-factor the past few games. I'm trying to think the last time he had made a big impact. It's I feel like it's been a while here. So, I mean, yeah, James Johnson at some point, whenever the hell Ben Simmons comes back, and we'll talk about that later because more news is coming out. Um, you know, it just seems like James Johnson's going to have a role, a role of 15 to 20 minutes a night. And whatever he does, he does. That's that's pretty much how it's going to be. It's, it's pretty unfortunate, but that's just how it's got to be right now. Kester Edwards played 11 minutes tonight, a lot in the second quarter, third quarter. He was two of four, made his lone three-pointer in the corner. He was a plus 14 that led the team, and Edwards has really had a weird season. He was not supposed to play this year. He came in when guys were out with COVID in December and was like one of the only guys left on the team, so he had to play, and he really impressed. He started for like, I I don't know how many games he started maybe like 10 or 12 games I feel like he started for then he hit that rookie wall he was not making shots he was not being aggressive and the Nets took him out of the lineup took him out of the rotation and then Kester Edwards kind of sat for a few weeks now has been re-implemented into the rotation and Kester Edwards is now once again playing very well I'm not sure how long he'll keep this up and if it'll be a playoff option but I don't even, actually, I don't think Kessler Edwards can play in the playoffs. I have to look that up. I don't think he can because of the whole two-way contract thing. I'll look into that right after this. But yeah, I think he might not be able to play. Anyway, a guy who can play, Patty Mills actually showed up tonight, so thank God for that. He had a rough moment in the first quarter on defense, a couple rough possessions when he was switched on to Rudy Gay. It did not go too well, his former teammate in San Antonio. But he was 5 of 11. He was 3 of 9 from downtown, 13 points. He was a minus one. I mean, yeah, Patty Mills' defense is just not – it's not it. I mean, that's that's pretty much all I can say to be nice. He's just – you know, obviously he is not he's, – he's undersized. That's pretty much how it is. It's like me guarding someone who's 6'7". It's just not going to work out. So um, I get it from that perspective. But, yeah, Patty Mills has kind of hurt this team on defense. But when he's making his shots, and he definitely was at some points today, especially in that early fourth quarter, I think when Patty Mills made that second three in the fourth quarter, the Nets had their biggest lead of 21 points tonight. So – He's helped in some areas, of course, but on the defensive end, sometimes they have to find a way to get Patty Mills off certain guys or sometimes send a double team because he's not going to really be able to guard a guy on an island by himself. And Cam Thomas played 13 minutes, 2 of 4. He made a nice shot on the elbow. He missed a three-pointer. That would have been a very big momentum shift in this game, but you know it's okay because they won anyway. But yeah, Cam Thomas has been okay lately I mean since like that Boston back injury he has not been the same guy of course right before the all-star break he had that big shot at the Knicks and it was like oh my god Cam Thomas is here he had like six straight games of 20 plus points but um, now that Kevin Durant's back of course doing most of the heavy lifting on offense you're not going to have a bigger role from Cam Thomas I'm still very excited about Cam Thomas's outlook in the future but as for this year I'm not expecting that much. Cam Thomas, I feel, like one, I feel like once every five games or so, Cam Thomas might pop off for 15, 18, 21 points or something, but it's not going to be every night, unfortunately. That's just how it is for the rookie. So, so yeah, this was a game coming into it. I expected to kind of come down to the final few possessions, and honestly, the score was 114-106. 
the Nets should have won this game by a lot more. The Nets were up by 15, 18, 20 consistently in the fourth quarter. But with like four minutes to go, three minutes to go, the Nets offense completely stalled and they could not get a shot off. They were turning the ball over and they were not getting shots up. So it was rough there. And I think that the Jazz went on like a 14-3 run in the fourth quarter. Then, of course, you know, Kevin Durant up by six points with like 40-something seconds to go. Lobs that alley-oop to Nick Claxton. He makes it. Game's pretty much over at that point. So, yeah, I mean, the Nets close it out, which is great. A W is a W, but you were kind of hoping the Nets would do a better job of closing out that game. But, you know, I'll take it. We need any win we can get at this point in the season. So now they've won six out of seven. And once again, I have not talked to you guys since that game at the Sixers. Since then, they beat the Knicks when KD scored, what, 53. That was awesome. The Kyrie game at Orlando was amazing. I probably should have reacted to that, but I just would have been here acting like a fanboy over Kyrie Irving's performance. Um, Then the loss versus Dallas, which still pisses me off. I know it's like in the, the big picture, like, Mike, the Nets won six of seven. You should be happy. Of course I am. But, like, they were this close to being on a seven-game win streak. But, of course, Spencer Dinwiddie had other ideas. But that was a game they probably should have won. That was very unfortunate. Then the win versus Portland, where midway through the third quarter against Portland, I thought we were going to lose that game for a second. I was like, this is just, you know, I was at the game, so I was feeling like, bro, like, they, the Nets lost the one game I went to this year. It was the first game out of the All-Star break versus the Celtics. They got killed. Nobody was playing in that game. But I'm like, am I the bad luck charm? Because the Nets were favored by 14 and a half versus Portland, and they were like down 15 in the third quarter. Thank God they turned it on and came back in that game. And then tonight, they played well versus Utah. Very good second half. Mainly the third quarter was what, you know, got the Nets this victory. But, yeah, they played well for most of the game. The Nets had certain moments in the game where they just could not get anything going offensively. Once again, to close out the fourth quarter was one of those moments. But, yeah, I mean, so that's the good news. We'll talk about the Kyrie stuff again. We'll talk about Ben Simmons and some of the not-so-good things going forward. But, yeah, anyway, let's get into that. All right, so let's start with Ben Simmons. And this was sad as hell because, as I mentioned, I was at the Trailblazer game and a article was posted by ESPN saying that the Nets' original plan, not original, I guess, but, like, I guess the Nets, one of the Nets' plans was to have Ben Simmons make his debut last Friday versus Portland, and that would have been, like, a great thing to see his debut. But, of course, he re-injured his back or kind of had a setback, whatever you want to call it, and turns out he has some type of herniated disc problem, L4 something. I'm not a doctor, but anyway, it does not sound good. The Nets' plan now is to get him back for the last two games of the regular season. There's two home games to close it out, Friday, April 8th versus Cleveland, and April 10th versus Indiana. That's what they're shooting for right now. He had this epidural shot injection into his back. I don't know what that is, but they're hoping that that can somehow alleviate the pain or irritation, whatever you want to call it, so... I guess the Nets will see how he responds to that. I'm not really confident that Ben Simmons will make his debut this year. I'm still hoping it happens because you want him to play over James Johnson. You want Ben Simmons' defensive presence on the floor. The Nets have been a lot more fast-paced since you know James Harden's been gone. And I do think Ben Simmons would fit in nicely there, but... At this point, I just don't know. It seems like every time Ben Simmons is like kind of getting close to coming back, there's always some type of setback and bad news, so I'm not going to get my hopes up. Mentally, I'm kind of like, I don't want to say I've given up on Ben Simmons coming back, but my expectations are a lot lower. I'm not as optimistic about it. A couple weeks ago, I was very optimistic that Ben Simmons was going to be back, but the more uh, news comes out, 
it's negative news. So hopefully he does find a way to come back, and hopefully we do see him April 8th versus Cleveland, get a couple of regular season games in, and get ready for what most likely will be the play-in tournament. But if not, then I'm excited for next year with Ben Simmons. But hopefully this back issue is not a long-term thing because, of course, as we know now, what Southney has been dealing with since his Philadelphia days back in 2019, I think it started. So that's not what you want to hear. And the guy's still young. He's 25. Like, he should hopefully get it figured out. But we all know back injuries are very tricky. But you would hope of, like, some of the best doctors in the world and all that crap, they can figure it out. But sometimes people just have bad backs, and that's how it is. So that's hopefully something the Nets can avoid. And if Ben Simmons does, in fact, have a bad back his entire time here, that's going to be a very crappy scenario for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, as for another crappy scenario, Kyrie Irving um, still has not played a home game yet. I mean, there was at one point in the season we were very optimistic he was going to come back once they um, lifted the mandates on March 7th. Of course, we saw Kyrie make an appearance at Barclays as a spectator. I have not talked to you guys about that. I mean, the optics of that was ridiculous, that Kyrie was courtside and basically, you know, hugging KD after the game. He was in the Nets locker room, which I got fined for, which whatever, who cares? But um, yeah, it's obviously it makes no sense. It really does piss me off. I just, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just, I don't know if it's Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, kind of flexing his power or what I think it most likely is, is that he doesn't want to look bad because all these other workers, like it was what, 1400 workers or something got fired from their jobs for not being vaccinated. So I don't know if he wants to like, change it just for Kyrie because it just does not look good so I have no idea but whatever it is it's something I hope changes because you know once again it just does not make sense how you know unvaccinated guy can just go sit courtside of Barclays next to everybody but then can't play in the game I just don't get it and of course with baseball season starting there's rumors that Anthony Rizzo is not vaccinated there's rumors about Aaron Judge for the Yankees not being vaccinated which would be huge of course and the opening day for baseball is April 7th and the final day of the NBA regular season is April 10th. Well, that's at least a last Nets game. So I'm hoping at that point there's some type of agreement. But knowing the Brooklyn Nets luck and the Nets luck in general, they'll probably make an exception for baseball because it's outdoors. And then the Kyrie mandate will still stand. So I don't know what it is with you know the anti-Kyrie stuff and why this is really against him I know it goes for other performers like you know people in Broadway or other type of uh, performers in New York I get it but it just still makes no sense to me you know the visiting players who are not vaccinated can play but you know he can't it just doesn't make sense I'm hoping that at some point logic wins out and something changes I'm hoping that you know the NBA Adam Silver who's really backed up Kyrie in recent months I'm hoping that can you know, maybe allow the Nets to pay a fine if, you know, they let Kyrie play. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. But as time goes on, it's kind of like Ben Simmons, the less optimistic I get about Kyrie Irving coming back full time. But right now, if you're the Nets, you just want to avoid playing at Toronto. There have been some rumors about Toronto lifting their mandates, and I'm hoping that Kyrie could play if the Nets were to play in that playing game at Toronto, but I don't want to worry about that right now. The Cavaliers are very close to falling into the seventh seed, and I believe Toronto, I know the Cavs lost for sure. Toronto was losing last time I checked, so I'm hoping that the Cavs fall to seven and we finish eight, so the Nets would have their play, or first playing game at Cleveland, which Kyrie could play in, of course, and I do like our chances versus a young Cavs team. And then if they were to lose that game uh, versus Cleveland, they would play either the Hornets or the Hawks at home. So, 
you know, of course, Kyrie can't play home games, so you'd rather win in Cleveland, of course. I don't know. But anyway, we'll find out what happens with the standings right now. But my perfect scenario for the, Net, uh, for the Nets right now, assuming the mandates are not lifted for Kyrie, is that we finish as the eight seed and play the Cavaliers on the road. That's what I want to happen right now, assuming nothing changes. If the Kyrie mandate's lifted, obviously, I'd rather be the home team. That'd be great. But if he can't play at the home game, then what the hell is the point? So anyway... We've seen how dominant the Nets have been when Kyrie and Katie have played together. I'm trying to think of which games they did play together. Their first game was, well, not first ever, but first game in a while, was the one at Boston. They put up 120 points offensively. Then at Charlotte, they put up 132. At Philly, 129. At Orlando, they put up 150, and we have not seen Kyrie since then. But like they have averaged like 132 points in the Kyrie-KD games over the past four games they've been together. So it's been amazing offensively. It helps when Kevin Durant scoring 50 and Kyrie scoring 50 and 60. But at the same time, they're doing a great job there. Um, as for Seth Curry, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, that sucked. I mean, the whoever was the towel boys or towel people tonight were not doing a good job at Barclays because we saw like two or three guys. I think Patty Mills slipped, KD slipped, and of course Seth Curry slipped. So whoever was cleaning the floors at Barclays, Gotta do better. I mean, come on. But anyway, um, yeah, that's not what you want to see because Seth Curry already had an ankle injury, left ankle injury before tonight, and he pretty much had to play through it the rest of the year. And now he re-injures that same ankle. So at this point, I don't know how long he'll be out for, but I am personally not expecting to see Seth Curry for a while. I'm hoping that he'll be back at some point before the playoffs, but I don't know. It just feels like one of those things that, like, he was already hurt, he hurt it even more, and it just might be something that takes a couple weeks here, and there's not much time left in the regular season, but I'm just hoping he's back by the playoffs, and we'll see what happens, but Seth Curry, especially versus Portland on Friday, has been huge for the Brooklyn Nets, but I just give Kevin Durant so much credit for what he did tonight. He beat a 45-26 and 26 at the time Jazz team without Ben Simmons, without Joe Harris, without LaMarcus Aldridge, without Kyrie Irving, and without somebody else I'm forgetting. I mean, like, they have just been, you know, Kevin Durant doesn't care who he's playing with. We saw it back in December when he played with the rookies. He does not care. He's going to go out there and make everybody around him better and just just go out there and hoop and try to win games. And that's what Kevin Durant has been doing. He's been playing with such passion. He's been so engaged lately, which you love seeing as a Nets fan. So um, hopefully we keep that up. There have been a couple Kevin Durant injury scares. There was that one play versus the Mavericks, I think, where he took his shoe off. I thought he broke his foot. There was one play tonight where he fell. He hurt his knee at one point tonight. And you're just holding your breath every single time. And unfortunately, I always feel like Katie's kind of fragile now because he's been injured a lot lately, but that's just how it is. But when the guy plays, he's like one of the probably the best player on the planet. I don't want to say one of the. I think he is the best player on the planet when he's healthy. So I'm happy he's a Brooklyn Dead, happy he's our leader. But um, yeah, for as for Seth Curry, it sucks. As for Drummond being out, it sucks. The whole Harden trade, those guys are all out right now. So hopefully we get Drummond back next game. You know, hopefully Seth Curry is back before the playoffs. And same thing for Ben Simmons. And the Kyrie stuff, I don't know. I mean, the I think the mandates like are extended like five days at a time, they said on the broadcast. So we have to wait like another three, four days to find out what's going to happen there. But I'm just hoping that with the pressure of the baseball season coming on soon, that helps Kyrie Irving play as soon as possible. But I'm just not sure at this point. I really just don't know. I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but just using logic, you know that Kyrie should be able to play. There's no reason you should sit courtside but can't play in the game. And we know that... Kyrie's one of the most talented players in the NBA. He he brings in a large crowd, and people love to watch him play. 
you know, it's it's just a good thing for the city to have Kyrie play. So I just I just don't understand it at this point, but we'll see what happens. And I'm really I'm praying every night that it changes at this point because honestly, I'd hate to say it and be pessimistic, but if Kyrie's not cleared to play full time, I just don't see a way this Nets team is gonna win a championship. You know, it's gonna be tough as it is with the injury to Simmons and Joe Harris being out and who knows about Seth Curry. It's gonna be tough as it is to win a championship in the first place. But if Kyrie Irving's not full time, I mean, the chances are so much lower at that point. So we really have to hope that he's back full time. And if he is, then I do think anything's possible. I think the Nets can take any team as long as 7-11, Kyrie and Katie are healthy. But that's a big what if at this point. Not, not even healthy, just if Kyrie can play at his own home arena. That's the biggest question right now. So let's hope for the best and we'll see what happens there. But um, as for the Nets' upcoming schedule, the next two games will feature Kyrie Irving at Memphis on Wednesday, at Miami on Saturday. Then they get Charlotte and Detroit. We're home for those two. So I'll go four games at a time here. So I'm hoping that during this stretch, you have three tough games. I guess two and two would be okay. I want three and one. I don't think they'll go 4-0 in this stretch, of course. I think they can still beat Memphis with Kyrie playing. I think they can beat the Heat with Kyrie playing. But yeah, you're looking at like maybe you split Memphis and Miami, so 1-1. One and one. And then you have versus Charlotte, which I think should be a win, hopefully. Of course, Kyrie's not going to play in that game unless something changes. And then you're versus Detroit. So I think 3-1 is possible. That's what I'm hoping for right now. But... Two and two at the worst. Let's hope for that. Anyway, that'll do it for the video. Hope you guys enjoyed, and I will talk to you guys next time.